1: good afternoon and welcome to one hour at a time recovery begins with education and host mary woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process now here's your host mary woods
2: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods, and I hope you had a wonderful weekend. Um, our guest today is Ruhama Klatman and she is the founder and executive director of Mothers and Fathers Aligned Saving Kids, also known as Mask. Ruhama um, founded Mask nineteen years ago in response to the problems of substance abuse and mental health. Is she and others is she and others experienced um, when in Brooklyn, New York, in the Jewish community. She has worked tire- tirelessly... Oh, my goodness. I having a hard time today with my words to make sure families are directed to appropriate help and support. Um, they have a wide variety of mental health and substance abuse and family issues that's, that they respond to and address. Over the years, they have had over 16,000 families um, call into their Hope Line, um, and they have uh, developed awareness programs both within the Jewish communities and beyond. Um, MASK is a uh, state funded by the Department of Youth and Community Development, and both MASK and Rahama have received numerous achievement awards for their great efforts. So Rahama, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, this is certainly, um, you are a great example of somebody being proactive <laughs> and being solution-focused. So, can you tell us a little bit about what caused you to, uh, to find mask? I mean, what was going on in the community, or what was the voice sure. you were seeing?
3: Sure. So, when I started mask, I actually started on um, it was two weeks before the Jewish holiday Purim. That was just last week, and um, 19 years ago, and um, named it Mask uh Sing Mom, Mothers Aligned, Saving Kids, and at the time, there were kids that were on the streets, staying at the local pool hall, and they were dabbling with drugs. They were doing pot, there were kids that were dropping in school, they were truant, and um, I started the organization, there were 27 moms that showed up to my first meeting. And at that meeting, we had 152 guests in the community. And part of the guests were therapists that were working in the Jewish community. And they were just so thankful that I was starting this for parents to learn what to do and more importantly, what not to do when their children started acting out. And uh, after that... Uh I went to the governor. At the time it was Governor George Pataki and I told him what was doing in Brooklyn in our neighborhood. And uh he funded Mask out of my home. He had said, Why don't you make a list, what you need, and you know, go get yourself become a not for profit and we'll help you start the organization. And lo and behold, we are now nineteen years later. And uh, we're doing a lot of programs for parents and their teens and their young family members. We do a lot of prevention programs. Uh, we do programs where in schools, we do programs for married children that are having issues. Their issues, let's say, when they were younger weren't fully addressed properly. So it goes into your marriage, some of those issues. So we address all mental health issues. We're a referral agency, and we're open, actually. We make referrals from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., and we have support groups for parents uh, facilitated by therapists that are weekly, and we have a helpline when, you know, people in the community need direction, um, need an understanding of an issue, need a referral, want you know, programs in their school, they're able to reach out to our helpline and we make it happen. Is your helpline
2: specific to Brooklyn?
3: No. Our helpline actually grew around the world. We actually have made we make referrals around the world, Europe, Israel, Canada, everywhere. We have a network of therapists that we can refer to in all different areas, drugs, alcohol, eating disorders, gambling, internet addiction, uh, bipolar, schizophrenia, whatever it may be, ADD, ADHD, um, getting kids evaluated in elementary age children, um, anything to do with mental health will help find the right person for the caller Uh, With their insurance, um, we we don't charge, there is no fee for mask services. So if someone were to call and say they need a referral for their daughter that has an eating disorder, we will work with their insurance where they're located and we will help guide them to get to the right clinician or inpatient, outpatient rehab, hospital, rabbi, Um, whatever they may need in order to help
2: facilitate it. That is what the helpline is great for. That's great. And then the groups that you have um, at your facility, do people uh, pay a fee for those? No. Our groups are no fee, no
3: charge. We work with all the local organizations, outpatient clinics, Rehabs Um, We refer out of town, actually, tomorrow we'll be escorting someone to a rehab in Florida. Um, We find the right rehabs for whatever it is that we need to address. It's not one-size-fits-all. It's different, dependent on the history of the client. That's how we make the referral. Um, So there is no fee for our groups. And for whatever reason, if the group is not for the right group for the caller in our neighborhood, we will help identify where there is a group 12-step meeting or whatever it
2: is that the family caller may need. Um, So, how are you funded? Just through the state funds? um,
3: Right. So, we get funded from New York State. Office of Mental Health, Office of Alcohol and Substance Abuse, OASIS, and Department of Youth and Community Development, the city. Um, We also get funded from Office of Children and Family Services. Our politicians, our assemblymen, our council members have helped advocate on our behalf um, and got us funded um, funding has been cut, so we do private fundraising as well. Uh, anyone that wants to be our partner to help save lives, uh, you can go onto our website and donate online, www.maskparentsplural.org, and you can donate online and be our
2: partner. So um, one of the things that uh, we're kind of talking—we were going to talk about today—was parental resistance and mental health and substance use disorders. And um, do you see much of that in, in with folks you're yes. working with in Brooklyn? Yes, we actually do. You know,
3: it took many years for us um, as a community to take off our mask, our masks of whether it was denial, shame, embarrassment. Um, you know, we, we like everyone else, have the same problems. The religious community has the same issues as the rest of the world, I guess, <laughs> and we're no different, and it was hard to, A, accept that we have these kind of issues. Everybody was scared that if someone finds out that my child is doing pod or my child is ill, my child has an eating disorder. My daughter is, you know, has mental health issues. Everybody was scared that maybe it would affect their marriage, you know, when they have to get married. Uh, the arranged marriages in the Jewish community. So they thought they were going to be judged um, more harsh than, you know, someone else. And they really needed to a get educated um, hiding any mental health illness will just come out later on. So if you don't address parents at You know, the beginning when I started mask had a lot of resistance of coming and getting the help they need. And then there were parents that were just so grateful, so happy that they didn't have to wear the mask. And they were able to come and sit in a group with 30, 40 other parents that were going through similar situations. But the resistance from a parent, what we don't realize is that... The longer we push off getting the identified client to help the child, the help that they need, um, the, the longer it takes to bring them back to where they can function properly. So if someone is dabbling in pot, someone is, you know, not well in any which way mental health, you know whatever mental health issues, behavioral that they may have, the quicker you address it and get them the help they need, the easier it is to turn that person around. Um, If we as parents hide and cover up and make excuses and are in pain ourselves about it and don't want to take the child to the right therapist, clinician, therapeutic environment, or whatever they may need, we're hurting them. They can't function well in school, a lot of the kids, whether it's ADD, ADHD, whether it's a learning disability. The quicker you have an evaluation, the quicker we can figure out how a kid could take a test. If not, what happens is these kind of kids... They start looking out of the window, getting in trouble in the hallway, in the bathrooms. They end up gravitating to the negatives that are around them. They can't focus. They count the ceiling tiles. They end up not doing well on their tests. They, you know, get into trouble in class. They disrupt. And what happens with these kids Their self-esteem is hurt when they're picked on constantly, when they're thrown out of the class, go to the principal's office for bad behavior, when they're sent to the back of the room. So low self-esteem, younger age is, then they have to self-medicate as the 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade. They feel bad about themselves, so they end up self-medicating. Some of them turn to alcohol on the refrigerated door, an open bottle. Some of them go into the medicine cabinets of their parents. They get painkillers that were left over from a toothache you may have had, and you didn't finish the meds. Some of them just, you know, dabble with and get pot on the street. From other friends. So we really need to focus on it early on as quickly as we can as parents.
2: And we'll be right back after this commercial to talk um, some more with Rahama.
5: common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders that's westbridge.org family Center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders
1: what causes us to be sick we're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses we're talking about your body and health listen for the healing whisper of return to peace each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually, as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health and Wellness.
6: We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top rated skincare products and treatments tested by real transformation skincare centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness.
4: Your life, your health, your network.
2: Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods. I'm your host today. And our guest is Ruhama Klatman, who is the founder and executive director of Mothers and Fathers Online Saving Kids, also known as MASK. Uh, Ruhama founded MASK 19 years ago um, in response to the problems of substance abuse and mental health as she and others experienced in Brooklyn, New York's Jewish community. And um, once again, thank you, Rahama, for being with us today. And um, one of the things that thank I learned you. like a long time ago when I first started working in the field of alcoholism is that um, the people of the Jewish community very rarely ever experienced alcoholism and seem to have a very low incidence of alcoholism and substance use disorders. And as a result, I think in mainstream addiction community, um it, people who who were if if the Jewish community or the Jewish faith may not have gotten such a comprehensive uh substance use assessment because of this belief that well they're they're okay this doesn't happen to them and um is that true? I mean do you see substance abuse in, no, in that the is community? not
3: true no okay. unfortunately that is not true, but I feel that in general alcohol is being uh, advertise at such a high rate of exposure, it's such a big deal now, you know, what bottle are you having and what, you know, all this alcohol commercials, um, it's not helping any. But the Jewish community it has a, a very large percentage compared to years ago of young adults that do um, get admitted for alcoholism to inpatient rehabs. So alcoholism is, I guess, the same as everybody else. And sad to say that kids today are exposed to that and smoking and easy access to drugs uh, like everybody else. So I can't uh, agree totally with
2: that. Well, I think that's good to know because you know, um, so many urban legends so often turn out to be myths. Um, so I'm I'm glad you clarified that for us. Certainly, um, we know that for folks that have mental illness and substance use disorders, that trauma plays a, a significant role in the development of of uh, either a mental illness or substance use disorders. And the Jewish community has had more than its share of trauma as, as a yeah. community and as a people, but also there's the, um, the for lack of better words, the, the general trauma that everyone experiences, whether it's the death of a loved one or rape or incest or whatever. So um, are you addressing trauma at MASK?
3: Yes. That's, I'm glad you brought that up, Mary, because... You know parents don 't realize that when let's say somebody has a grandparent living by them and dies the and have young children, the young children usually during the week you know we call it Shiva when someone dies and we have seven days that we 're home, the family members. Um, the, the children are usually with their friends. Their friends come to the home and sit with them and keep them company and pay respects to the family. Well, when we approach parents and suggest that we have a professional speak to a child, let's say it's a sibling dying young, a parent dying, and their are young kids at home, we always suggest that a professional, we bring in a trauma specialist to speak to this, you know, their young children. And a lot, too often, parents say, No, my child doesn't need it. Uh, my child's with her friends or his friends. They look fine. I see they're doing okay. What we all don't realize is if we push trauma away, it's bound to come back and haunt us later on if it's not spoken about properly. And what we've found over the 16,000 families that have reached out to masks helpline, we have a very large number that have had some trauma, whether it's being molested when they were younger, whether it's a family member dying very young, whether it's something going on in the school or their best friend, somebody getting stabbed to death, or whatever it is, being around, uh, you know, a, um, you know, overseas in school and something happening to their family members, if it's not addressed, what happens is a lot of the parents, and I'm talking about hundreds, of parents will call back years later and say that something happened. It brought up feelings from the past, their past trauma. And when we ask them or we look it up in our records, we see that we suggested that somebody speak to the child. And they said then it's not necessary. And now four, five, seven, nine years later, it's haunting the kid who's now nine years older. And there are the drugging, drinking, whatever it is that could have been prevented had parents recognized that trauma is something that needs to be addressed when it happens.
2: Are you doing any type of trauma education in the community or in the synagogue? Yes. Yes. So
3: I'm part of a task force. And the task force has 30-some agencies in our community in Brooklyn that work together. And we do commu- community symposiums um, for the community on different topics every year. And we have staff training. So there are two organizations, High Forever and High Lifeline. Both those organizations deal with deaths, illness, and they go into schools. They meet with families. We do staff trainings with them, uh, rabbi trainings, clergy, um, school trainings, uh, PTA trainings. You know, we we try very hard to get the speakers to address both the young adults, whether it's in a school or in the community at large. We do a lot of that. Yes.
2: And what is the response? I mean, um, to, to that. Well, do you think that? Well, the response doing for ten
3: years ago was, "We don't have these problems." And thank God, uh, Mask and many other organizations that work with Mask in the community together have really. Made a difference and the tide, it's moving along. Parents, schools request programs now. Parents fill up rooms full to come and listen to speakers. Schools are begging the PTAs, we can't get it, we can't get enough speakers quick enough to these programs because they want to educate their staff,
2: their parents, and the kids. Um, One of the things you mentioned earlier was bullying. And do you see that more within the Jewish community? Do you think the Jewish community is affected more by that? Um, No, bullying is something,
3: it is there, but not at the rate of outside the Jewish community. No, not at all. It is there. there. There are issues with bullying out there, but I will not say that it's at that high rate. We're we're lucky to say that it isn't.
2: Yeah, yeah. But molestation,
3: we need to address more and more the molestation issue for everyone out there because we're used to reacting poorly when someone gets molested. Like, you know, the first reaction is, no, it couldn't have happened or... It can't be the guy across the street, he's such a nice guy, and he's dressed so nice, and he's a businessman, or he's in the school, or he's a bus driver, or whatever. We really need to focus on the victim, and not re-traumatize the victim by resisting to believe that it may have happened by the person that we think is such a nice person. Because you could be a very nice person, but still have the illness of being a pedophile. Yes, that's true. And they look like me and you. You yes. know, you can tell from looking at it. When someone's on drugs or alcohol, drunk or whatever, you can tell. Someone does drugs a lot of times. Their whole outside is changed. Their clothes, their way, you know, their dress. They're here, whatever it is. They're disheveled or they're, depends how far along they are and what they're using. But a pedophile looks like your next door neighbor, your brother in law, your sister, a parent. Just looks like a regular person. And you may not even know that they may be molesting somebody. And someone that molests, Mary, you know, and I know, that they could molest up to 90, hundred different victims before they're even caught
2: right
3: right and the trauma of that is huge that really deep to the core affected by that pain that the parent just by not accepting it you know it's hard when it's a brother-in-law when it's um, a father a parent incest that's that's not easy
2: to well, accept. such a huge betrayal.
3: It's it's total betrayal.
2: betrayal.
3: Yeah. 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 And so then you
2: that.
3: you re victimize the victim when you say, Oh, it can't be he's such a nice guy or she's so nice. Right. And, or you must and that is yeah. painful, painful
2: for the victim of abuse. It is very painful, and we will be right back after this uh, commercial break to speak with Rohama some more.
4: You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
5: common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders that's westbridge.org family Center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders
6: can grief be good for you absolutely it gets your attention helping you evaluate your choices and relationships your losses define who you are
2: Welcome back, everyone, to One Hour at a Time. Um, Our guest today is Ruhama Klappman, and she is the founder and executive director of Mothers and Fathers Aligned Saving Kids. Um, Ruhama started uh, MASK 19 years ago in response to the problems of substance abuse, mental health, as she and others experienced them in the Brooklyn, uh, New York, Jewish community. And... um, Uh, One one of the uh, things that all of you don't get to hear is the the great discussions we have during the commercial breaks, and um, we were talking a little bit uh, during the break, Raham and I, about um, some of the other uh, problems that that she faces and deals with, um, probably I would assume more so now than when you first started 19 years ago, and that's around eating disorders and self-mutilation. Do you see that? More so now than you did 19 years ago? Yes. Actually, yes, um, we do.
3: And um, it's interesting because the religious people, you know, we cover our elbows, we wear skirts to, allow to cover our knees. So when a girl, let's say, is um, in the summertime even, um, let's say she's going to camp And she may be self-mutilating above her elbows or on her thighs. And she may say, I don't like to go swimming. And we have a lot of camps that don't even realize that there could be a reason they don't want to go swimming. So we do a lot of programs before camp. We do staff training to make them aware of things so that this Way, if there are girls, just because they're away for the summer doesn't give them a vacation from getting the help they may need during the year. They may be seeing a therapist and they really, parents don't always share, you know, these kind of gory details with kids that are going to camp for the summer or on vacation. So it's important to bring awareness to that as well. Eating disorders are usually very hidden um, uh, before they turn into something that one can see when somebody is really very frail. Um, before that, you know, kids use it as control. So for a girl that's having issues with making friends, being bullied, molestation issues, um, a lot of times they use that eating disorder, and it's important that that's, you know, nipped in the bud, shall we say, because that is something that once it goes on, really can become something that you cannot turn the clock back with that, so that's the hardest thing to turn around is an eating disorder. Would you say that, Mary, as well?
2: Um, Well, certainly they're very complex. I mean, medically they're complex, and um, as you said earlier, um, the trauma that may be involved or the causes of the the self-mutilation and the eating disorders can can be very deep, and um, it really takes, I think, a very highly specialized program to treat eating disorders. Um, We don't treat them per se at Westbridge, but um, there are certainly some really good places around the country that do.
3: Right, and people can call the helpline for a referral uh, for different places that are trained specifically for that. But Mary, would you like to explain how we both work together with uh,
2: your inpatient and our referral helpline? Um, well, well, we uh, at Westbridge, we treat men 19 and 18 and over that have a co-occurring Major mental illness and substance use disorders, and so we treat people from all around the country and um, pretty much all uh, ethnic. You know, we're ethn- ethnically diverse and um, certainly culturally somewhat diverse. Uh, even though we are in Manchester, New Hampshire, um, and Florida, we uh, work very hard uh, with families because we were founded by a family. We really want families' involvement. We see families as being part of the solution to someone's recovery and and health, and so um, the family also needs to be involved in the programming throughout the time that the individual is either in inpatient or in outpatient. So, um, you know, we certainly look uh, forward and uh, try to focus on what people are doing well while also treating the illnesses. But... We encourage people to go back to school, to get a job, to reconnect with um, the things they loved and enjoyed before the mental illness and the substance use disorder kind of took over their life. And um, so we depend on folks like Ruhama to um, send us individuals and families that um, are looking for integrated treatment for those co-occurring disorders.
3: Right. And then after they leave Westbridge there's options for sober living.
2: Yes. we um, Thank you. We, uh, people may go back to their Who's um, home. Who's interviewing who, Mary? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. You could be the next guest host. Um, yeah, I mean, people can go home and we can help them find resources to support them during their early recovery and throughout their recovery at home, or we also have an assertive community treatment team and we work um, with the family to, to find, have somebody find an apartment close by, and we can provide up to 60 hours a week of side-by-side care to help the person live in the community and gain the skills and the confidence to be independent um, while in early recovery and then ongoing. So, um, so, so we are able to provide a lot of options for folks once they get out of residential treatment. Um,
3: And what's great about Westbridge also is that for the religious people, we can offer them kosher food, we can have a rabbi come by and speak with them, so parents are always so concerned about sending their family members to inpatient because they want them to be able to speak to a rabbi and talk about things that they're struggling with. So I know that Laura is very helpful with the mask helpline in making some of these arrangements when need be
2: right we 're um, in in New Hampshire we in Manchester we have two temples. Um, we have one within walking distance of our residential program. that people can walk to on the Sabbath and walk home back, back to residential. We have done that on a number of occasions, and we can provide kosher meals on paper plates with uh, for folks um, so we 've done that a number of times as well,
3: right, but you know what parents don't realize and we all need to work very hard on this message is that when one sends their family member to any inpatient rehab of course they need to like go to sleep for 3 days straight probably because they're so emotionally drained from the whole experience but right. they must learn what their family member is learning inpatient. 12-step program. They need to be in therapy, the parents. They need to learn about relapse prevention. They need to understand what steps, 12 steps, what step their loved one is working on and struggling with in order for the family member coming home They need to get all that education that they're getting inpatient parents simultaneously should be getting it on an outpatient basis so that when their kid is discharged, they have more of an understanding of the struggles and of the growth
2: that they need to assist their family member with. Exactly, exactly, because so often these illnesses are so consuming that the parents and the family members get lost in the illness. And part of what our family program does is that everybody who participates in the family has a goal. It's not just the, their son or brother or cousin or uncle who's in treatment that has a goal. Every family member has a goal, and they're held accountable to achieving that goal so that they can develop their own um health and wellness as well.
3: Absolutely. And the groups that we have at MASK are amazing. I mean, the parents come back week after week, month after month to get the support that they need from other parents that may be on this kind of a journey. And um, they get uh, referrals from each other. They they find mentors that have gone through our system that they relate to. Let's say they have a daughter, and this woman has a daughter, and that woman had a daughter, and they're both the same age. So they relate their stories, and they hook up, and they have someone to speak to in between the sessions, in between their therapy. Um, And a lot of the folks need mentors for when they're... Um, family members go inpatient so they help support them in going with them to the inpatient facility and wait for them or drive them or be there and prepare meals for them when they get home, knowing how draining and emotional it is, the trip of just visiting your family member and coming back. You know, I always tell people that say they want to volunteer. I say everything's confidential at mask, so we don't take volunteers. But if you know someone that's struggling, a neighbor, a relative, someone that's struggling, the best thing you can do is offer to cook for them, take their other children to the park, give those families a break while they go to take care of the child that they may be addressing almost like drugs, alcohol, eating disorders, gambling, whatever it is. It's very time consuming
2: and painful journey. And it's also very uh it's also very in isol- it's also done in isolation. I think yeah. a lot of our families have withdrawn from their social supports um, for a host of reasons. But a lot of it is what you mentioned earlier, the shame and the guilt. You know, my son isn't achieving what he used to achieve. My son isn't going to college. He's going to rehab. So there are a lot of um, factors that contribute to the isolation of the family. And we'll be right back after this commercial.
5: common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders that's westbridge.org family Center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders
0: step by step you made it through the journey of pregnancy now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey breastfeeding as a new parent you receive a lot of advice much of it conflicting some of it outdated Tune in to Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso. To bust through the myths about feeding your baby, Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
6: Transformational Healing includes energy medicine as well as hands-on healing. Tune in every week to Transformational Healing with Dr. Bonnie Morrow. If you want to know more about the business and science of energy fields, chakras, and the medical and spiritual community, join our expert guests as we work together to bring you closer to your personal health vision. Transformational Healing is heard live every Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
4: helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America
1: Health & Wellness.
2: Welcome back, folks. Our guest today is Ruhama Klatman, who is the founder and executive director of Mothers and Fathers Alliance Saving Kids. And um, Ruhama, we've been talking a lot about the problems, and I think uh, it would be great to spend some time talking about the solutions. And certainly one solution is your helpline. Can you give out, are you comfortable giving out the number for that? Sure, sure. Our helpline is
3: 718 758 0400 and anybody could email at info at maskparents, M A S K, parents, plural, P A R E N T S and org, And uh, the helpline opens at 10 a.m. And anybody's welcome to call five days a
2: week. Anywhere, for in, the, anywhere in the world, right?
3: Yes, you can call anywhere in the, from anywhere in the world, and we will help make the referral closest to your home with your insurance or private pay or direct you to whatever it is you may need um, But I think i 'd like to address something that we did not talk enough about, and that 's everybody 's medicine cabinet and you know we go to the dentist, we have a toothache, we get twenty pills prescribed. Or we don't even fill the prescription sometimes and there's a script written on a script pad, which the laws are changing now, where um, in lots of states where they're going to have electronic straight to the drugstore only. So no more script pads, which makes us really happy so that that doesn't fall into someone's hands that's an addict. Um, there's been a lot of uh, stealing pads from doctors' offices, and this big opiate-ish, you know, problem around the world. <laughs> And um, so, I just want to bring to the attention of everybody listening out there: Please, if you get any painkillers, you had an operation, you were in an accident, God forbid, you had a toothache, and you're getting painkillers, and you use one or two only, and you have 18 sitting in a bottle, sitting in your medicine cabinet, or in your bedroom, or in a drawer. Please, it may not be your own child that would take it. Your child may have a party or friends over, and it may get into the wrong person's hands. And we're just... There are ways to get rid of it, to dispose of it properly. We are not supposed to be flushing any meds down the toilet. Um, it goes into the water system, and they say that is the most unhealthiest for all of us. So there are two ways you can dispose of it nicely, and that is... One, in your local police station, which we're working on here in New York, to be able to have, a. there is a box in the police stations in many different states where you can just walk in and deposit whatever pills, whatever pot, whatever it is you have. They don't question you. You just walk in and deposit it in that Box. And the second way is you can call our helpline, and there are companies that you can purchase bags, even at a drugstore, where you can purchase bags. They're a small silver foil Ziploc kind of a bag where you put your meds directly into this um, chemical that's in the bag, and it deactivates the medication. So I recommend, please Watch the meds that are sitting in your medicine cabinet. You know, I have people that call and tell us they went to other people's homes, asked to use the bathroom so they can get into their medicine cabinet. And you would never think, I mean, getting a guest, a friend comes by, a neighbor just visiting and says, can I use the bathroom, and goes into your medicine cabinet and gets pills. So that's Really an important thing to keep in mind to watch your
2: meds. And there are other things, there are other preventative type things people can do as well, right? Um, well, you mean in reference to disposing? Well, no, just in terms of... Or in, in general. Of-
3: oh, in general? In general. Yes. In general. What we teach, yeah. what we say to parents basically at mask is if you change the music in your home, your kids' dance steps will change. So whatever it is you're doing with that child, married, young adult, or whoever it is your spouse that may be either addicted, doing alcohol, or needs medical help and mental health issues, not, you know, cooperating, call the helpline. Whatever you're doing is not working We'll try and give you ideas to help you change that music, change what you're doing in order to get your child to react differently, to get the help that they may need. And um, we're only a phone call away. Uh, it could be anonymous. Uh, just call to get a referral in your neighborhood, and we can do the best we can to try and help you get the help that you need as soon as you call us. Mary, I want to thank you for really very much for helping us get the word out there Uh, for parents to understand that resistance is only going to come to haunt them the longer they wait to get the help
2: and make the calls. Well, I, I I appreciate that, but I, I also think it's so important. Families become so isolated in these illnesses that it's really important for them to understand that there are people out there, there are resources, you don't have to go through this alone, and that there's no shame in, in having your 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 child or your adult child have an illness. These are brain diseases. People, not everybody who drinks alcohol becomes an alcoholic, and not everybody... Right who has um, depression ends up on medication. I mean they're they're right. just they occur on a continuum and um, I think as a society we need to understand these better and not um, have them portrayed so pejoratively in the media or um, just try really hard not to reinforce the whole moral aspect of these illnesses. Absolutely. Absolutely
3: I, I, you know, parents are half the problem because we're the ones that want to cover up and, you know, we, we go into denial mode at the beginning or anger mode or this can't be happening to me mode or every parent reacts another way. So the idea is to become more aware of what's out there to help your family member and realize that these kids that are acting out are in pain. We can't be angry with them. We need to feel sorry for them that something is creating them to react. They're reacting from something that may have happened in their life. And we need to understand. We need to help them. I really want to say thank you again, Mary, to you and all the listeners. And I want to wish everyone well.
2: Well, thank you. And just quickly give us your 800
3: number one more seven time. One, I'll give the seven one eight seven five eight zero four zero zero. 718-758-0400. I have a fantastic staff. You have to call. You don't have to ask me. All calls get to me anyway. So just call up and ask any of the mental health questions you may have. You need a hospital, an inpatient, an outpatient, whatever it is that you may need, and we'll try and assist you.
2: Thank you so much for being our guest today, and I hope you make it to the wedding on time. Thank you so much. (laughs) On the way. Thank you. Okay. Have a good week, everyone. We appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time.
1: Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion, one hour at a time. We'll see you next week.